Hello and welcome to the Hiring Enablement Podcast. My name is Gavin Spears, CEO of Solutions Driven, a global recruiting partner that guarantees right first-time hiring. In today's episode, we're going to talk to Nicola Plenderleith, head of TA at Leighton, and to hear more about their journey in elevating TA and how this has not only transformed the TA processes, but also drove better gender equality. I know Nicola from old. Uh, Nicola used to work at Solutions Driven in past life, so really looking forward to this episode. Nicola, welcome to the podcast. And if you could give a quick overview of your career, what you're up to at Leighton at the moment. Thank you, Gavin. Thanks for having me. Um, so I am Nicola Plenderleith, Head of Talent Acquisition at Leighton UK. Um, and we are a funding specialist. We help organisations basically get access to tax incentives from the UK government. Um, and at the moment, we are really busy trying to add more experienced business development professionals to our teams across the UK. Excellent. Super. So I think maybe just going back to the topic, then a few areas I was keen to, to discuss with you. I mean, I think, first of all, um, I'd be keen just to understand how, how have Leighton really kind of focused on their employer brand over the last few years? What strategies have you used to really support that kind of transformation journey you've gone on? I think the, the first things first, like we, when I came into the business about 14 months ago, we really had to acknowledge that there had been a significant amount of change in the previous 18 months um, at the very top in leadership. And the ripple effect of that was that we did lose a number of, of really talented people out of the business. So our employer brand probably wasn't as good as it could have been. Um, and nobody was really looking at it. Um, it wasn't seen as a, a kind of critical part of, of talent attraction or any other part of our business for that matter. Um, so when I joined, it really was important to me to acknowledge where we were then and not hide away from the challenges that had taken place and all the changes that had taken place. Um, by doing that, by sort of getting under the skin of what had happened and why it had happened and listening to the people here, it became very clear that those who had stayed and those who had joined during that period of change didn't really have a voice. They didn't really have a space to share their viewpoints, good, bad or indifferent. Um, and that's really where life at Leighton began. Um, so one of the kind of first things that I wanted to do was create a space that celebrated the people who are here, because there's a lot of really fantastic people who work at Leighton, um, very talented people. So we started the Leighton, Life at Leighton podcast in February, which is not um, not the norm for podcasts. Like it wasn't created as a sales tool. It wasn't created to go externally. It was really created as an, an internal celebration of our people. And we wanted to use it for people to get to know each other. You know, we have offices, five offices across the UK. At that point in time, there wasn't a lot of cross collaborations and we had a lot of new people, right? So they didn't know each other. And when do you carve out time to get to know your colleagues now? It's quite hard when you're in a high pressure and a high performance environment. So it made sense to try to capture an audience like on the school run or walking the dog or, you know, on the drive to work, whatever it might be. Um, so that's that was probably one of the first things that we did that really helped to improve the internal feeling. And very quickly, it became an external way of improving our employer brand. We started to share 
the podcasts externally and people started to talk about how good life at Leighton actually is. Um, that then led to us getting closer to our glass door page, which had not been looked at for a very, very, very long time. Nobody had responded to any reviews or anything like that. Um, it just was about being accountable, you know, and acknowledging that maybe we didn't get things right at certain times in Leighton's history, but that we really want to now. Um, so those were probably the two primary things we did that started to change our employer brand externally. And then from that, it became very clear that, you know, a lot of the talent that we want to attract, we weren't we weren't hitting, you know, we weren't targeting very well using the classic recruitment methods. Um, we had no social media strategy. We had very little social media presence. So I had to create that. And I'm by no means a social media expert, um, as you well know. <laughs> I'm not a big one for social media personally. Um, but there are a lot of really good companies out there that can support when you maybe don't have the, the right expertise internally. Um, and that's what we did. We partnered with a company called Socially Recruited, who created a number of campaigns for us. And that's gone a long way to reaching people that we wouldn't have otherwise reached. Right. So it was it was a combined strategic effort, both internally, externally, and then through the through the social channels. Excellent. Good. What about, I mean, I know that you focused a lot on quality of hire, you know, and, and really kind of looking at, looking at that as a measure and a, an output, but how have you done that in a kind of cost-effective, efficient way, you know, over the, over the last period? I think everyone who works in recruitment and TA over the last kind of 18 months to two years has had a tough time and cost reduction is always at the forefront of everyone's mind. We're no exception here at Leighton. Um, the actual main goal I was given, the strategic objective I was given when I came in was to reduce cost. But of course you can't do that and compromise the quality of the hires coming in. So again, it was about acknowledging where we were then, right in that moment. Where were we spending money? Where are we spending money in the right channels? And what was the ROI we were getting from the, the kind of pre-agreed spend that I inherited? And what did the business really want? So our success criteria, our processes were a bit all over the place, you know, um, and they needed to be streamlined. And the function, it's really important to kind of set the scene, I guess, as, as to what the latent TA function looked like 14 months ago. There was only one talent partner who was also new to the business. He'd only been here two months when I came in. None of the previous talent team were here. So we were really starting from scratch on what good looks like and what is the su success criteria? How do we measure quality of hire? Um, I know there's a lot of discussion about that in the space just now, but for us, it's about what value add can someone bring to Leighton when they come in culturally as well as commercially. Um, on the cost reduction piece, you know, when I did the assessment of where we were spending money, it was very clear that talent acquisition and the business were not aligned. There was a real disconnect in where money was being rooted versus what the company actually wanted. So we were using some really great platforms, actually, and, and really clever pieces of software, but they weren't aligned to the business's goals. Mm -hmm. So 
hard decisions had to be made, you know, and, and I had to kind of stop contracts and relationships that had been in place for, for a wee while. Um, the natural place to stop spend is in agency recruiting. Sorry, Gavin. Um, <laughs> but that was not because we don't want to partner with agencies or because we don't see the value in having uh, agency partners. It was simply down to we don't have budget to spend. Mm -hmm. um, and the only way that, in my opinion, you can cut that cost without compromising the quality of the people coming in is to make sure that your talent acquisition function is truly aligned to the business and its operational goals. Um, for me, that meant getting under the skin of exactly what the business does. We have three core departments that we hire into all the time. Um, business development, sales development, and consulting. So what do those three departments individually do? What do they need to be successful? What do, what do people need to be able to demonstrate to be successful here? And then I kind of rejigged the team a little bit, went back to my old agency days, my old agency way of thinking. Um, I have three talent partners here in the team now, and I, I just split them into verticals. So I applied exactly the same methodology as I would have done throughout all that time I spent in agency recruitment. They yeah. each took a department. They each became specialists in that department and what it needs. They each built out their talent pools across the UK. And it's worked. You know, we've, we've been able to really shift to a true direct hiring model. Yeah. We've been able to assess people coming in throughout their, not just the probationary period, but their first 12 months. Um, how quickly have they got up to speed? You know, speed to competency is a big thing we talk about here at Leighton. But also what value have they added culturally and how are they fitting and into the organization and, and how are they adapting? So all of that combined is, is kind of the processes that we had to take to cut the cost without cutting the quality. The quality. Good, excellent. Um, you mentioned briefly earlier around the kind of social media, um, but I know you've done some interesting things with TikTok and various kind of innovative platforms. I didn't know if you were doing a TikTok dance a minute ago when you kind of leant back and just, <laughs> were just putting, the, putting the light on. So, Well, I mean, you know my dance routines are legendary. So, <laughs> no, no, the light just went out. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, hands up, like I said, I'm, I'm by no means a social media expert, um, but I am... Um, more than adept at acknowledging where my skills don't lie um, and looking for ways to to kind of compensate for that. Uh, I was fortunate last January to bring in an absolutely outstanding person into the team, Sarah Glandall, who is able to take all of these things that are in my mind and bring them to life in a way that resonates with the audiences that we're trying to, to target. So, you know, Sarah hosts her podcast and, and she's fantastic at it but she's also really good at content uh, and mm -hmm. content creation so when it comes to something like TikTok um, we don't have a, a company presence on TikTok yeah. but we use the partnership that we have with Socially Recruited mm -hmm. to access people through that particular platform yeah. and Sarah creates the content that goes out there so you know, she's she's 27, she's right in the wheelhouse of the, the type of talent that we're trying to um, target for our sales development function, particularly. Mm -hmm. 
she's got all the energy under the sun um and she is just very good at bringing her brand to life so when it comes to using social media i think a lot of organizations can get quite fixed in making sure that everything fits the corporate brand and, and it yeah. does of course you know we have corporate guidelines we need to um, abide by but if it doesn't resonate with the audience there's no point in yeah, doing it point. Yep. yeah yeah so we're kind of unafraid to take risks we're unafraid to try different things um we had a whole uh, episode earlier in the year for Love Island, which I have to say, I have never watched an episode of in my life. But again, Sarah led the way on that. <laughs> um, yeah. And it was great. You know, it got some real, really good traction online. So I think you just need to, you need to be unafraid of, of doing things that are going to fit the audience that you're trying to target, um, even if it's outside your comfort zone. Excellent. I think one of the areas you'd mentioned in previous conversations was around employee referrals. So, you know, you've definitely seen a, a real upturn in employee referrals, which is a positive sign. Like, clearly people don't refer if they're not happy or they don't feel, you know, there's a, a good progressive environment. But talk to me a little bit about what you've what you've done there. So, again, um, anyone that works in TA knows that there is a direct correlation between referred candidates the quality of the hire, retention, tenure, etc. And those are all things that are really important to Leighton, right? So um, the year before I came in, we about 1% of our, our hires had come from employee referrals, which was indicative of the change that was going on at that time. <clears throat> Last year, we increased that to 22%. Really? Which is a stellar increase, right? And it's mm -hmm. it's it's wonderful. Um, but the reason I believe that that happened last year is because of all the other things that we were doing yep. around employee engagement, not just through the podcast and you know celebrating our people and rewards and recognition. Um, the the culture at Leighton changed mm -hmm. dramatically. Yep. People are happy at work. People are challenged at work. They're doing things that are purposeful and meaningful and they get to see the impact of the work that they do so giving them a voice and giving them a space to say all of that just created this really positive momentum um which which then resulted in more referrals coming in this year um when we started this financial year i had a pretty ambitious goal um that i want to see 40 percent of our hires this year come from employee referrals mm -hmm. and the reason for that is really simple because it's indicative of our employee engagement of course and yeah. we want to make sure that everyone remains engaged but it's also for us the best way of us securing the best talent mm -hmm. so so far um this year we have retained 100 percent of the employee referrals that we've hired and that's massive for us you know that's yeah. that's huge um the amount of time and energy that you put into trying to identify and source the right talent can be completely cut in half or or even more um if your people are the source of those referrals mm -hmm. um so yeah i i sat down with the team and explained to them that i wanted to really target this as our primary channel for talent, and I've now <laughs> I've now made it uh, I've made it an objective for all three of them, mm -hmm. tied to their bonus at the end of the year, 
with KPIs attached to it. So they each have responsibility for driving employee referrals within their funnel. Yeah. And that is encouraging them to build even better relationships with the people here, um, with the outcome, obviously, that we want that to, to promote the employee referral channel. Good. Excellent. Super. My last area then, I mean, I know both you personally and also Leighton are, are committed to gender equality. I know that you've talked about some initiatives that you've undertaken. I think you mentioned a partnership with the, the UN Target Gender Equality Programme. Um, but it'd be yep. good again just to understand a little bit about your thoughts and what you're doing there. Yep. Um, it's the best bit of my job, actually. It's mm -hmm. the bit I love uh, so much right now because... I've experienced difficult times as a woman in business, right? I've had two kids, I've went off on maternity leave, I've come back, I've had to make sacrifices, and it's tough. Mm -hmm. And when you look at underrepresented communities throughout the work um, environment, there's only one of them that I can talk about, yeah. and that is being, being a woman. Um, so I kind of started to talk about internally and late in some of the very obvious challenges that we have. So our, our gender balance is really skewed. Um, we currently sit 75% male, 25% female across the UK. And unsurprisingly, the majority of our females work within our operations or support functions. Um, in fact, our sales function is 95% male, 5% female. Yeah. So shocking numbers, right? What do you do to change that? How do you impact that? It's so hard to, to kind of try and solutionize this huge topic. Um, when we were setting our ESG goals for the year, gender equality was, was one of them that I was very passionate about, as were the rest of the senior leadership team. And the UN Target Gender Equality Program is designed to help organizations understand the importance of gender equality and how to impact gender equality within their individual business areas. Mm -hmm. So it's a nine-month course. Um, it starts off with going through what's called the WEPs, which is the Women Empowerment Principles. There are 10 principles. You basically assess your organisation against these okay. principles. Um, and then you use that to help set your, your KPIs that you want to achieve as an organisation. So it's a global... Um, global audience, there's huge amounts of learning that come from it. But for us as a, as a UK business, it was great to actually do because completing the women empowerment principles and signing up to that is a, like it's a commitment and our people can see that we are committed to making a change. It's not a tick box exercise. We're not looking at positive discrimination. We're not trying to alienate our male staff and we're also we're also not and i really want to be clear about this um we're not saying that there's only two genders mm -hmm. we're not saying that we're not trying to whitewash anything we're not we're not trying to exclude anyone but what we are saying is that on the basis of gender equality in the uk right now and in our business we need to make improvements yeah. and we're using this tool in this partnership with the un to do it the right way Excellent. Fantastic. Really, really interesting. Um, so maybe then just to summarise, I mean, I guess you know, I enjoyed the, the conversation, but I always ask, you know, what's been your 
biggest learning or biggest success that you would share, you know, with other TA leaders uh, in the in the network? I mean, apart from working with solutions driven, obviously. But what, what was what's your what's your kind of biggest learning and and I guess you know insights you would want to share? You know, I love my time at solutions driven. <laughs> um, do you know the one thing that I think some TA functions miss? Uh, and if I was going to give any advice to anyone it would be that you need to be commercially minded to operate in this space. Yep. It's that's not, um, that's not taking away from the importance of relationship building. It's not taking away from care or candidate experience or any of those other things that we all talk about, but you have got to be able to understand the commercial implications of the work that you do. If you want to have a seat at the table, if you want to be able to sit with your board or your C-suite and have confidence in what your teams are delivering, yep. you need to be able to talk their language. And that's something that I learned through all of my years in agency, through working with you. And I have to put it into practice here. We are a commercial business. So it's easy to sit in our, you know, our TA forums or our, our groups and stuff, or even with our own teams and talk about cost per hire and quality of hire and all that good stuff. Leadership don't understand that. Mm -hmm. They want to know fundamentally what is the commercial impact to your profitability. Yep. Learn that language and you'll be fine. Good. Excellent. Fantastic, Nicola. Really excellent episode. Really enjoyed the discussion. Um, thanks to our listeners. Hope you've enjoyed the episode too. Please feedback if there's any topics you would like me to discuss in future. But most importantly, thanks to Nicola for your time and it's been, it's been great to catch up again. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Nicola.